0: We want adventure, we want to be free, and yet our past sometimes just holds us hostage. And we're talking about triggers because they can be what literally reminds us of pain from the past. And so we find ourselves stuck, unhealed wounds, that if we could find healing, we can actually find freedom. You know, last week I talked about how there are times where we can find ourselves blaming everyone for the problems in our life. But when everyone else is the problem, the real problem is you. And you can change cities, you can change jobs, you can change relationships, but the problem is everywhere you go, there you are. And so we're trying to find healing so that we are no longer stuck, I mean, think about this for a moment. If you had a, an injury, a physical injury, <clears throat> and I've seen this happen before, some people put on you know, a, 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 one of those slings so that no one comes up and grabs them by the shoulder, right? But, but, but for some reason, <clears throat> we don't do that emotionally. And so someone comes up, <clears throat> excuse me, someone comes up to us and we overreact. I mean, if no one knew you had a hurt shoulder and they patted you on the shoulder all of a sudden you scream, they would be alarmed, right? They would be a little bit put off, perhaps. But we do that all the time emotionally. We have wounds that have never healed, wounds from our heart. And these triggers are a sign that there's something there that God wants to heal. Now, if you've missed any of the series or if you wanna go back, if you're still doing the work from the series, you can always listen or read the notes at my website, Or we post this on our Facebook group page or even at the Gateway Austin app. And every week we provide for you next steps. These are questions to help you really apply what you're hearing to really make it sink in. But if someone does something that pokes that unhealed, wounded heart, we get triggered. And for some people, it comes out in forms of rage and anger and even violence. For others, we defend and we attack and we blame. For others of us, when we're triggered, it actually comes across more through how we withdraw. And we end up more despondent and hopeless and despairing. But when we blame others for these over-the-top reactions, it keeps us stuck, unable to find the healing that we need. And this is how evil spreads, Hurt people hurt people who hurt people. And when we're hurt, we become more vulnerable to evil's lies. A few years ago, you know, at Christmas at Zilker Park, they have the tree and they have all these food trucks. Well, we went over to one of these food trucks and my daughter and her friend both wanted a hot chocolate. And they were younger at the time, but even still, you know, it's like five bucks for one hot chocolate. And uh, thank you so much. And that one hot chocolate for five bucks is just, you know, for two sips, it's not worth it. So I had this idea. So I said, hey, is this to the woman that was there? Would it be all right if I got two cups for the hot chocolate? You know, just five bucks, give me one empty cup and one full, and I'll pour it and I'll share it. And she says, "Uh, no, sorry, we can't do that. We charge per cup. I was like, well, aren't they really hot? Like it's hot chocolate, right? Don't you need like a sleeve on it? Could that sleeve be another cup? <laughs> and she said, I'm, I'm really sorry, sir. And I was getting very frustrated. Like this makes perfect sense to me. And I know exactly what's going to happen. My daughter and her friend are going to have one sip each, $10 later, and it's a waste of hot chocolate. And so uh, my wife just kind of intervenes and says, you know what, we'll take two. And so she goes off and gets the two and my wife rebukes me. Why do you always get so bent out of shape? Why do you get so easily frustrated? She could tell I was getting triggered. And the woman comes back and says, you know what, I don't know if you remember me, but I go to Gateway South. (laughs) And I remember thinking in that moment, oops. (laughs) you know, I wonder how mad she could tell I was. And if you're here today, I still am sorry for how I treated you (laughs) on that cold winter day. See, here's the thing about triggers. They don't just affect us. They affect how we treat other people. It actually affects our relationships with others. And so we're going to walk through this one last time. Here's the steps. We've looked at them every week, and we've added layers each time. But when you get triggered, it's important to spot the symptoms early. Remember, your amygdala has hijacked your brain. That part of the brain does not care about relationships. It only cares about fighting or fleeing. And so what happens is all of a sudden when you feel your muscles tensing, your face contorting, your heart racing, your mind firing, all of a sudden what's happening is your brain has been hijacked. And so the second thing you need to do once you've spotted these symptoms is stop, deescalate so that you can reengage the rational brain. 20 minutes is usually how long it takes for those hormones that are filling your mind to dissipate. And during those 20 minutes, connect with God. Just ask the question, what's going on inside of me? Why does this bother me so much? Or even consider that person that you were talking to. What's going on between us? Is there something that's happened in the past that's, that's never been forgiven in your heart? And when you start to ask these questions, you're re-engaging the part of your brain that is rational. And all of a sudden, you're able to move away from that trigger. And last week, we dove a little bit into the searching for the lies or the agreements so that you can see God's third story, his perspective. See, what's happening is there are unhealed wounds that we attached lies to and made agreements with darkness Things like I will never change or this is always the way I will be. Those lies actually keep us stuck and God's perspective is different. You can be different. If there's a part of your life you've just said, you know, this must just be genetics. You've given up in an area that God wants to free you from. And so that we talked about last week, let God heal the wound. Give him the opportunity. Don't just give in to this lie Remain hopeless. We said that evil works to steal, kill, and destroy. Evil propagates through unhealed wounds, lies, or agreements, and triggered reactions. When you get triggered, think of this as a reminder of a place in your life where God wants to heal you. Rather than being defeated because of the trigger, see it as an opportunity to dive a little deeper, enabling God to bring healing. Now, some of us have trauma in our life that a sermon series will not heal. Even jumping in and really fully investing in community won't heal. You need a counselor. You need a a professional to help you find healing. But it's important that you acknowledge and realize and trust that God wants to heal you. Remember, when Jesus began his ministry, he quoted from Isaiah 61. Listen to what he said. The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal our broken hearts. He didn't come only to forgive us of our sins and shortcomings. He didn't come only to set us free from addictions, but he came to bring us healing, to get to the root of these triggers that He might heal us so that we can experience the fullness of his joy and his peace and his love. Hearts that are healed. In the Psalms, it says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you want him to heal you? Do you recognize he can heal you? You need to be healed. The way that God overcomes the evil in this world is by helping us along the way, guiding us as his spirit. See, he wants to heal our wounded hearts. He wants to return us to a life of joy and wholeness so that we can fully love everyone, including our enemies. The night before Jesus died on the cross, he promised that his spirit would come to live in and through us. Listen to what he says in John 13. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Remarkably, miraculously, God's spirit comes to live inside of all of us when we say, Jesus, I need what you did on the cross to count for me. I want you to be my leader. This word in the scriptures for Holy Spirit, this word counselor can also be translated as advocate or encourager or comforter. That's who the Spirit can be for you and me when we're listening. Now, it's hard for us to understand the greatness of God and the creator of the universe revealed in three persons one God, but three. And it's so hard for us to understand on, on this side of reality. But God entered into time and space as a human being named Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, God did not die. And when Jesus went to be with the Father in heaven, we were not left alone. His Spirit stayed with us. And think about this. When you say yes to Jesus, you are now in Christ and the Spirit is in you. You are surrounded with the love of God. Enabled, empowered to live a new life. God, the Father, the Son, and Spirit revealed to us that we might have the life he created us to live. And he is our counselor. So let God heal the wound. These unhealed wounds are where lies and agreements take root. And that's why you can't just say, well, time heals all wounds. That's not true. Moving on does not just heal all wounds. See, some of us have unhealed wounds because of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and bitterness spreads. And bitterness in our hearts brings doubts to our mind. And all of a sudden we find ourselves despairing and even hopeless. I want us to look a little bit deeper into how the spirit of God heals us, how we can experience that love and joy and peace and patience. And so we're gonna look at how to form a new habit to respond to God's spirit. First, it requires spending time in solitude. Just out of curiosity, how many of you here are extroverts? You get energy from the external world. How many of you are introverts? Man, just like in the first service, more introverts. And so for you, solitude is like what you long for, right? But for those of us who are extroverts, it's a little harder just to to sit, to be alone. But but even extrovert or introverts, it's about what you do in that solitude that really matters. Solitude is an opportunity to connect your heart with God to pray something like we read in the Psalms. See, the Psalms oftentimes are journal entries, many of them by David who became king. And here's one that he's written. And this is a prayer that you can pray in that time of solitude. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to show you, are there any unhealed wounds? Are there anything from the past, any relationships from the past that we need to experience healing in? In that time of solitude, ask God and sit quietly, calming your mind and listening. Another exercise to help you with this, figuring out if you have some unhealed wounds is the grocery store test. Maybe you've heard us talk about this before. The grocery store test is very simple. If you're walking down an aisle, and you turn left and see someone, and you don't wanna talk to them, and you hope they don't see you, it could be because you have an unhealed wound. Now, some of you are saying, no, you don't understand. I'm an introvert, I don't wanna see anybody. (laughs) But let's say they do see you, and you wish you didn't have to talk to them because of something in the past. You try to avoid them, you try to stay away from them. That person, there could be a memory, an experience with them That has not yet been healed. So, in that time of solitude, just begin listing every person or event that might possibly have wounded you. Now, I say might possibly because it's easy to over spiritualize and say, you know what, I've forgiven everybody. Or, you know what, that didn't really hurt me. But we're ignoring the cumulative effect of all these unhealed wounds. John Burke, a few years ago, was burned out and he described it as. Uh, as like a, a thousand paper cuts. He, as he started to figure out, "Why am I so easily triggered? why am I so annoyed by so many people?" he began to realize it wasn't one traumatic event. it was lots of little painful moments. But an, a, a whole host of unhealed paper cuts on an arm can still lead to infection, can still not be good. And so then write down what happened in those moments rather than over spiritualizing just write it down what was painful in those moments ask the holy spirit to guide you into all truth and help you see the truth of his perspective just sitting in those memories writing those things down but but realizing god is with you in that moment again some of these memories might require a professional a, a counselor But in the midst of writing these things down, what you're doing is you're getting in touch with your emotions. Now, there are different types of personalities and my wife has a personality. It it literally says in the Myers-Briggs, a personality indicator, it says that she lives in her emotions. It's like a fish in water. She doesn't know life without emotions. Everything is seen through the lens of emotions. The description for my personality, it says, these are the people who deny emotions exist. (laughs) <laughs> so you can see how it'd be difficult sometimes for us to connect through the very filter she sees the world I don't even believe in. <laughs> and so for me, this was a, a difficult exercise, but to sit down, and I, I used to joke, you know, I only have two emotions, anger and, and sleepy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but really behind the anger, maybe you're like me, you find yourself angry behind the anger could be sadness, could be fear, it could be a whole host of emotions that you have not dealt with. So just be honest before God. Let the Spirit of God guide you through those memories. Remembering that the Spirit of God is a comforter, an encourager, a counselor. Listen to his voice in your soul. God will lead you to healing and living in his truth and it changes the triggered reactions and leads us to freedom in life. See, these memories where the sadness is still fresh, it's because the hurt is still raw. Maybe there are places where it still makes you angry when you think about it, or maybe you really don't wanna think about it. That's because there's an unhealed place in your heart. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means you need God's grace in that part of your life. You need his healing. Don't deny it. Receive it. And it takes time. It takes community. It takes A counselor. When our kids uh, were both in middle school, it was kind of this incredibly freeing experience. We no longer needed to pay someone to come and watch them. And so I remember one of the first times we went out on a date, just left them at the house for a couple hours. Uh, And no shame. I mean, they were ready. We were ready too. And I remember going in and telling our son Caleb, who's older, Caleb, while we're gone, we want you to watch your sister. Unbeknownst to him, we went into his sister's room and said, Trevi, your older brother, watch him while we're gone. <laughs> all right? Two babysitters, zero dollars. It was perfect. And we went off, we were over at a place close to our house at Opa, and all of a sudden we get this phone call and it's Trevi. And she's beside herself. She's distraught. Something terrible has happened. I can't understand what she's saying through the tears and through the emotion. And I'm trying to slow down, sweetheart. What happened? What's going on? What's wrong? And she could not say it in a way I could understand. And so I just said, sweetheart, we're on our way. I remember driving down and I just think, oh my gosh, there's, is there a robber? Has she cut her finger off? Like something is terrible. And we pull into the house and she's holding her phone and it's cracked, but not like just a normal crack, it's like it's shattered. And she explains through her tears that they had gotten into an argument and Caleb had pushed her and it was in her back pocket and it flew out and it smashed. And she is just beside herself and just distraught and I was completely calm. Normally this would trigger me, but I knew something she did not know. Her phone was due for a free upgrade. but it was making her more upset that I wasn't upset. And so I finally tried to calm her down and said, sweetheart, you don't understand. Your phone is eligible for a new phone. I'd known this for months, waiting for something just like this to happen. Now, about that same time, we had... Uh, been going through something in our life groups it 's something that we call our spiritual growth path and when you 're ready for real spiritual growth, being intentional you know coming week after week and doing the work in between, a, a life group could be a great next step for you and, and so there's an assessment as part of that and and I took the assessment and it has all these different kind of spiritual competencies, and all of them it it, it you know it kind of gives you a chance to see how strong you are or maybe areas where you 're weak and and all of them the lowest I scored was trusting God. And that really bothered me because every week I'm trying to tell you that you can trust God. And I remember kind of really struggling with why is that and why is this such a profoundly difficult thing for me to do? And so that night as I was praying and I was thinking about what happened with the kids and and, and even thinking about, you know, I, I think I trust you, God. It was in the midst of that that I had this thought. And I know it was from God because I would never have this thought. And it was this. The way your daughter was treating you is how you treat me. I know that's not for me. I would never put myself in position of an emotional 10-year-old girl. But what I began to realize is I tell God what to do. And I'm angry when things aren't going my way. And I'm frustrated and I cannot see possibilities, but he never has time to tell me. He never has opportunity for me to hear because I won't stop talking. It was about that time in my life when I began to pray, God, would you give me a faith that's bigger than my circumstances? See, I'm just like my little girl. When things don't go my way, I'm angry with God. That's when I go to God, forgetting that he's even there the rest of the time. What about you? See, he wants us to have a a meaningful relationship with us, a relationship with us in the good and the bad. He's with us in the midst of them all, guiding us towards freedom and towards healing along the way. All the things I try to fix and all the ways I want God to work, all along, he's had an upgrade for me. He has an upgrade for you. You don't have to give in to anxiety and anger he has a life filled with joy and peace and victory. Now, here's the amazing thing. The closer you grow in your relationship with God, the closer you get to God, the more you realize how far you have to go. And see, for some of us, the problem is we've grown in certain areas of our life, so we feel like we've got it all figured out. And so in other areas of our life, we become too proud to even ask for help. But like middle schoolers, if we can stay in middle school for a little bit longer, you know how our bodies grow at different rates? Have you ever seen that like 12-year-old boy who has like size 20 shoes? It's like little clown feet, right? Or, or that, that little girl with the cute baby face and these giant adult teeth, right? They, they start looking sort of like adults. And see, the problem is for some of us, we've really matured in certain areas, but in other areas, we're still got a long room, a long way to grow. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Don't be, just assume you can't change. Humble yourself and ask God to speak to you. Ask the Spirit to guide you to find healing. And after you've gone through this list, the next part is to forgive and to release. Jesus taught us in Mark 11. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, that sounds odd, doesn't it? I mean, when you ask Jesus for forgiveness, he forgives you, and so forgiveness from God is not contingent on whether or not you forgive someone else, but what Jesus is saying is if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're not living free and fully forgiven. In fact, that's another area you need to ask for forgiveness of. Unforgiveness and bitterness seep into our veins and affect all of our life and even begin to affect all of our relationships. We are forgiven, we are adopted, but we can still be in denial, refusing to forgive or refusing to get help or refusing to move forward in our life. We're not truly free. He forgave us that we might learn to forgive others, experience the fullness of life, no longer haunted by the worst choices of other people, forgiving even if they don't ask us for forgiveness. David Moore one of our uh, board of directors him and his wife went through a a really marriage ending experience for most infidelity and they found healing and they now help other couples that are going through difficult times but when they were going through counseling they were having a conversation and, and he has a photographic memory He calls it a video memory. He sees the moment in live action, like a video. And so in a conversation, he was sharing this moment that really hurt him, something his wife Kay had said and done. And he got emotional while he was talking about it. And the counselor asked him, well, when did she do this? And he said, well, 27 years ago. The counselor had thought it had just happened Because of his emotional response. And then she pointed out, You have not fully forgiven her for that moment. You can say, I forgive her, but you gotta forgive her for that. And when he did, when he forgave her and he released that moment to God, that memory lost its power to trigger him. Galatians 5 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery. See, this is an ongoing process. That's why we have to every day end our day with who did I hurt? Who hurt me? God bless them, forgive them, forgive me. There's three tools that God uses to continue to heal us and grow us daily so that we stay free. One is our willingness. Galatians 5, let's go a little more into that. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us know, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, God doesn't run over our free will. His Spirit works with your willingness. What have you been unwilling to do? Too proud or too afraid that you know God is asking you to do? See, the solution isn't just to try harder. We've talked about this before. Bearing fruit doesn't require trying harder. There aren't fruit trees out there trying to bear fruit. That's not how it works. See, a, a tree just relies on the rain to come and the sun to come out, and it just naturally produces fruit. And when you stay connected to the Spirit, you naturally experience the fruit of the Spirit. That becomes your normal life the defaults of your life, but we have to be willing. It's also our minds, not only our willingness, but our minds, Romans 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. See, this is a tool the Spirit uses to shape us, our minds and our thoughts. And see, too often, what's in our minds, what dominates our thoughts is our own selfish desires, our fears or our insecurities, our addictions. We fill our minds with what we don't want. When what the scriptures tell us is we should fill our minds with thoughts of what God wants for us. When we trust in Jesus and identify with him, When we've said what Jesus did on the cross, we need for our life. What's remarkable is he forgives us and he gives us a new life and he walks with us along the way. Just this past week, my wife Deborah was in the midst of a difficult conversation and she could feel herself getting triggered. And she used the analogy. She said, I felt like the other person was reading off the words that turned the winter soldier from a superhero into a villain. Now, for the three or four of you who are unfamiliar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, (laughs) the Winter Soldier was a good guy, but there were these magic words that triggered him into becoming an evil version of himself. And so Deborah was sitting there, and all of a sudden, she heard the words longing, rusted. She realizes she's being triggered, furnace, daybreak. She then starts reconnecting with God, surrendering this moment to God, 17, benign. These next words come out a little softer, and then she suddenly begins to reconnect with God's peace, not even hearing the last couple words nine, homecoming. <laughs> Avoiding the transformation into the evil version that happens when we're triggered. See, for some of us, we find ourselves getting triggered when people cross our boundaries. Another tool that we have for you is a class starting next Sunday at 4 o'clock called Boundaries. A boundary is, is, is just a line that marks those things which we are responsible for. See, sometimes our unhealthy relationships and even the triggers come by taking responsibility for things that are not our responsibility. And maybe you've heard the phrase codependent. See, if you can't be happy unless that person is happy, there's something unhealthy, And so we've got this course coming that will start over the next several weeks, and I don't want you to miss it if this is your best next step. Now, our 12-step studies are already full, and so go today to gatewaychurch.com slash south and sign up for the boundaries class. Now, you can still work through the 12 steps by coming to OpenShare, Wednesdays at 6.30, but this is an opportunity to learn. Maybe there's some boundaries that are being crossed, and that's what's triggering you. That's why you have unhealed wounds That's what's keeping you from moving forward. This can help us overcome the painful cycles of destruction in our life. But we also need a new kind of community. God's Spirit uses our willingness, our thoughts, and finally each other to help us chip away the rough spots and polish down the hard edges. We need people around us who will speak the truth in love, people who know us, people who we know. Hebrews 10 says it this way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Follow God's spirit to motivate each other, to serve each other. That's why serving others with others is so important. Connecting to a network is so important. Jumping into a life group is so important. To just have two or three others that know you that can speak into your life. And when you get together asking the question, what do you think God's spirit is trying to do in your life? And what's keeping you from moving forward and trusting him? And there's another level to this that's gonna sound scary, but I'm telling you it's transformative. It's learning to confess to others. Just being honest, hey, I blew it this week, or I, I really need your prayers. I, I need to confess something I did this week. I really regret. Because sometimes what happens is We might come to God and ask for forgiveness, but we struggle to forgive ourselves. Having a a confidant, a friend, somebody that we're doing life with that's in our life group or in our serving team or in our network can actually help remind us of what's true, you already are forgiven. So forgive yourself. Listen to what it says, James 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing comes in the context of of community. We can easily be deceived. We can spiral down to bad places. We can be in denial, but our friends, our family, people that we allow to speak in our life can help us see what's true. So here's what I want us to do. After four weeks talking about how to become untriggered, I want to give you just a moment of silence to pray and just ask God to show you your next step Maybe it's a particular person he wants you to reach out to bring healing to your relationship. Maybe it's uh, jumping into a class like Boundaries or maybe it's stepping in in this new season to start serving others with others. Whatever it is, just listen to his still small voice in your heart and see if you might have the Spirit's guidance even in this moment. So just a moment of silence and listen to his voice.